We were joined on the Buff Stampede podcast by Daniel Malone, who covers the UMass Minutemen for MassLive.com. Dan, I've, I've enjoyed reading your coverage of the team this week as I, I do some research on UMass. How, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I, I've been reading all your stuff uh, leading up uh, for, the next, for the last few days, so uh, I feel like I've got a, a pretty good handle on things going in, um, but, uh, but thanks for having me on. Of course, yeah. yeah. This is a matchup between two programs, obviously not familiar with each other. It's the first of a three-game series with UMass set to travel to Boulder for the final two games next year and again in 2021. Daniel, first off, uh, kind of set the stage for our listeners. Obviously, UMass is a program that has struggled winning just two of 25 games since moving up to the FBS ranks, but is there a little more optimism around the program these days with them bringing back Mark Whipple uh, as the head coach, uh, obviously a coach that led the Minutemen to a Division One AA national title in his previous stint there? Yeah, there definitely is. And I think kind of just uh, just how bad things had gotten under Charlie Molnar, the previous coach, that they could have brought in pretty much anybody. And, and the, uh, the feelings around the program would have, would have been lifted. But to bring back Mark Whipple, who who is kind of one of those pantheon-type guys in UMass athletics history. You mentioned the championship. He was here for six years before he ended up moving on to the NFL. Uh, he's someone that, that both old-time fans can get behind and, 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 and new fans who are looking to, to – they're, they're waiting for UMass to do something to, to make it you know worthwhile following the team. He, he, he was a, he was a, uh, a no-brainer hire for, for the program, given how everything had gone the past two years. Um, I, I still think it's going to take some time for the on-field results to kind of get up to up to par. I mean, uh, what's the FBS equivalent of a one AA national championship? Who knows? What are you guys fans expecting? I think that's going to be a question that that people are looking to have answered in the next two, three, four years. But generally, I think you're absolutely right. People are are, are high in this program once again, even if things didn't start off too well last week. And I, I think people are, are just happy to, to have a familiar face leading the team and, and have a reason to cheer. UMass starting quarterback Blake Fronapple, hopefully I pronounced his name right there, I, I transferred in. You are, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I, he transferred yeah. <laughs> in, obviously, from, from Marshall. But he didn't have a very good stat line in that season opener against Boston College. Dan, can you kind of tell us about him, his strengths and weaknesses behind center? Yeah, well, we start by saying quarterback has been probably one of the shakiest positions for UMass the past couple of years. They had started a, a, a freshman and a sophomore, uh, so that was that was probably number one on Whipple's uh, to-do list when he got here. He went out and targeted his guy, Blake Farnapple, was the backup behind Rakeem Cato and Marshall for the past couple of years, and if you know anything about Rakeem Cato, uh, there's no supplanting that guy as a starter. So he wanted to go find some place to start. UMass was looking for a starter. It was a kind of a perfect match. They brought him in over the over the off season, and uh, they had they had a quarterback competition that lasted a, a week and a half, two weeks during training camp. But I don't think anybody really thought of it as a as a real quarterback competition. This was going to be Blake Fronapple's job. Uh, from the very beginning, a, a coach doesn't come in and handpick a, a veteran transfer like that to sit him on the bench. Um, and he, he was kind of a mystery coming in. He had only thrown 45 career passes at Marshall. Uh, he had played well in, in backup kind of mop-up role scenarios. Um, but this was his first start this past week at Boston College. And you're right, the, the line was not pretty to look at. I, I wrote as much after the game. Um, he, he started off. Fairly well. He looked confident in the pocket. He's a big guy. He's 6'6", 230. He can move around a little bit. He's got a good arm. He's got a very good head on his shoulders. 
Uh, that's, that's the first thing you know where you realize when you start talking to him. He's a smart kid, bright kid, very, very likable. Um, but I think in that game, as, as the Boston College defensive front seven, which is quite a bit larger than, than a lot of the teams UMass is going to face, when they started to have their way with the offensive line, and he was getting hit on every pass. Every incomplete pass, we look and see there's Blake picking himself up off the Gillette Stadium turf. He started to get a little jumpy. Um, so he missed on some deep balls early. That could have been the difference between that in that game. Um, the things kind of just snowballed. So by the end, by the end of the game, or I think it was an early early fourth or late third, he threw a real bad interception on a fourth down, and that was kind of the the cherry on the top as far as maybe this 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 debut for him didn't go exactly as planned. But I, I think he's the kind of guy who can who can come back quickly and forget about that. Um, I mean, he does. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience, but he's not lacking for enthusiasm and work ethic. So I think it's hard not to be up on Blake from Apple moving forward this season. Buffs head coach Mike McIntyre talked highly of the speed UMass has at receiver during his weekly press conference. Was that just a coach trying to talk highly of his upcoming opponent, or is that one of the strengths of UMass's offense? No, oh, probably a little bit of both. I think that happens for most coaches. Um, but that is definitely an added element to the UMass offense that hasn't been present the past couple of years. Uh, they went they went out and got another transfer, uh, Penn State, a fifth-year senior by the name of Alex Kenny, who uh, runs, uh, he ran track at Penn State in the spring, so he's, he's a quick guy uh, somewhere in the 4.3s and 40. Um, he's another guy, not a whole lot of playing experience being at Penn State, so he was looking for, for an opportunity, and UMass has taken on a lot of those guys in the past couple of years. And then they had another guy, Mark and Michelle, who's a junior, who came back after sitting out last year. He's another speedster on the outside. So they, they did have a nice influx of speed to go along with a couple more possession guys like Tajay Sharp and, and Bernard Davis. So it's, it's a nice balance they didn't have before. Uh, they tried to get those guys in the mix early against Boston College. They took a few deep shots, and I think that's what a lot of us were expecting. And maybe it was just an opening game with a new quarterback. They were just a hair off. You could, those passes were, the, the wideouts were there, and he was just a little bit overthrown here, a little bit underthrown there. Um, like I said, if some of those had connected, it may have been a different story, but I, I don't think that's a strategy they're just going to kind of drop going forward because they're a little bit off in the beginning. So I, I would see, uh, we're expecting to see those guys play a big role this season. Just moving to the other side of the ball, Boston College racked up nearly 350 rushing yards against the Minutemen last week. Is UMass's front seven and inability to stop the run the kind of the, the biggest weakness on that side of the ball? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty glaring. It's been glaring for a couple of years. They had the same thing happen to them. Uh, Wisconsin last year had three guys run for over 100 yards. Kansas State did the same thing to them. Um, so it's not, uh, it's, not a, it's not a huge surprise, especially given that uh, they had four starters graduate from the defensive line last year, and they're, they're trying to retool it with a new 3-4 front this year. They've got uh, a, a, a true fresh, or a, a retro freshman starting at one uh, defensive tackle, a, a sophomore with no career starts coming into last week starting at defensive end, and, and a couple guys slipping in and out at, at nose tackle who are, who are a little dinged up. Um, so that was kind of, given that, in the nature of Boston College, where Boston College as a team is known for their big offensive lines, they send guys to the NFL every year. Uh, that was kind of just a, a perfect storm of all oh, BCs just going to be able to do whatever they want in the running game, and we saw that. As the game wore down, uh, the, the, defense, the, the front seven kind of just gave way. They were getting a corner whenever they wanted, and it just kind of, it just kind of snowballed. And you could see after the game, uh, Mark Whipple was kind of like, yeah, we, we kind of expected that. He wasn't going to say it during the week, obviously, but um, that was a, a 
tremendous growing pains for for the for the front seven in that in that game. I don't I don't know how many more times they're going to face Boston College level type uh, offenses in terms of ground and bound. Uh, but that, that'll be something that they'll remember moving forward, especially for those young guys. We've talked uh, about UMass's recent struggles. Obviously, Colorado has struggled in recent years as well, and, and they lost their season opener to Colorado State. What, what are UMass players and coaches saying about the Buffs this week? Um, they're, they're, they're kind of a tight-lipped bunch. It's, it's not quite Bill Belichickian, but it, it's close. Um, they, they, those are the kind of people who say, if I tell you, I have to kill you. So it, it kind of makes my job a little bit more difficult. Um, but I, but I think they, they, they recognize that Buffalo is going through some of their own growing pains. Um, obviously the first thing they mention is that they're playing a Pac-12 opponent, which is, uh, this is not a schedule that Mark Whipple put together. This is a schedule that was put together, uh, more so to, to, to earn the university a little, a little coin on the side. I don't know if, if, if Mark had his hand in doing this, I think he may have not scheduled four power conference teams in a row to start the year. Um, but but I think I think they're with a new coach. I mean, it's not a, it's not a brand new coach in McIntyre, but I think there are some things that they're they're not quite sure what to expect. Um, uh, I know they're gearing up for for Cepho Lufau. Is that am I pronouncing that right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Blake Apple, Lufau. You know. I'll, Good luck to the announcers calling this one. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I think they know that this is a team that also just lost to an in-state rival last week in Colorado State, and I'm sure they're going to be wanting to make a statement and come out and, and, and get a fast start. I know things didn't go well in, in the second half for Colorado last week, just like for UMass. So these teams are kind of in a similar spot, maybe on different levels. Um, so I imagine they're, they're, they're not quite sure exactly what to expect. Um, but they're, they're hoping things go a little bit better than it did in the second half against Boston College. Obviously, they, they get some fans at Gillette Stadium for, for the, the rivalry game between Boston College and UMass. What what type of atmosphere do you anticipate there being uh, this Saturday? Well, I don't know if you've, if you've ever been to Gillette Stadium. It's, it's a pretty big place. It seats about 70,000. It was built maybe about 15 years ago, back when they weren't really building those quirky new NFL stadium debt, so it's kind of a sterile environment. It, it's, it is not your typical college football environment. I mean, we've, we've seen a couple of these going out to Wisconsin and Michigan and Kansas State. We've seen a couple of those big-time college uh, you know, game day atmospheres, and Joel Stadium is definitely not that. UMass barely made it over the 15,000 uh, attendance per game threshold last year to, to stay out of uh, NCAA probation. Uh, they, they had... Uh, just about 30,000 last week, which is a really good showing for them. I think, you know, the fact that they're playing Boston College, which is, you know, so close to Gillette, made that, uh, you know, inflated that a little bit. Uh, this type of game against Colorado, though, in the past, they, they get between, like, maybe like 17, 18,000 people out for that kind of game. It's just, the problem is you're playing in New England, and New England is not a college football area. Um, I don't, there aren't many people living in Massachusetts who are going to look into Colorado and go, oh, Colorado, I have to go see the team. Yeah. Um, even, even if Colorado was really, really good, um, it would be hard to get a lot of people excited, except for the diehard UMass college football fans, excited to come see it. And that's, that's been something they've been battling over the past couple of years. They're actually moving uh, three of the home games back to Amherst this season, which is something that a lot of people have been uh, looking forward to. They renovated the, the campus stadium, so um, it, I think it's cool for the visiting players. I think they enjoy getting to play where Tom Brady and the Patriots do, um, but in terms of 
in terms of going to a game and, and the atmosphere, it, it, it just feels a little off. Just a couple more questions for you. In your opinion, what, what are the keys to this Saturday's game when you look at the game from UMass's perspective? In, in terms of, of UMass trying to win or trying to beat UMass? Oh, for, for UMass to win, uh, they, they're going to have to... They went three and out in so many crucial situations last week that it was just, I can tell you, it's driving the coaching staff crazy. They would give up a long, long drive, you know, 12, 10-yard, or 10, 12-play drives, uh, and then they followed up with an offensive three and out, and then they do the same thing over again. Um, you're not going to win when your defense is on the field for the entire second half. I think they're going to look to, uh, if they can put together some, some, some sustained drives on offense, it can keep that young and inexperienced defense off the field a little bit. Uh, like I said, they're going to probably try to hit on a few more of those of those deep passes and try to get things going a little bit earlier. I, I had written before last week that I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Whipple had a few trip plays up his sleeve to, to, to you know kind of uh, tilt the balance of power a little bit, which we didn't see against Boston College. So maybe that'll be something he's going to use this week. Um, obviously, you know, a thirty to seven loss to start off the season is not what you want. So. Um, they're going to be, I don't want to call it desperation mode, but they're going to be highly motivated to, to make something happen. Uh, Mark Rubel said his goal coming into the first two games of the season at home was to, to come out one and one, and they're all in one right now. So if he wants to make good on that, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to do something to pull off the snaps to, to, to get a, a big win this week. Do the Minutemen have any injuries of note, or is this a pretty healthy team at this point? Uh, they came out of training camp pretty healthy, and they came out of the first game pretty healthy. Uh, I think at this point, just one starter is, is a little banged up. Outside linebacker Trey Seals, uh, he got injured on a PAT in the third quarter. Um, it's looking like he'll be replaced by a, a true freshman, Ashawn Downey, who had a good spring and uh, he, he arrived uh, semester early. He had a good spring and a good training camp. Um, but other than that, pretty much everyone else is is at or as close to 100% as you can be. I know for everything after day one, 100% means a little bit different than it did the day before, but uh, no no major injuries to report in that, in that sense. Great stuff. And, and just lastly, what's your, your prediction for Saturday's game? <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm always so bad at this. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think UMass is going to win. Um, I, I know Colorado is a team uh, who had bottomed out a couple years ago, and they're... They're on the up and up, um, and I, I think they're going to be just as motivated to bounce back from a tough loss as, as UMass is. Um, I, I predicted last week something around thirty to fourteen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that again. Maybe if, if UMass does pull out uh, something out of out of the hat, or, or they do get going a little faster than they did last week, they could they could put up two or three touchdowns. But I, I would not I would not be surprised to see this fourteen seventeen point win for the Buffs. Really good info, Dan. I, I think Colorado fans, that, uh, and I would assume most of them, weren't very familiar with UMass, and I think uh, now they're quite a bit more familiar. Thanks for, for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me.